Hey, what's up? This is Matt Harvey from Exhumed, and you are listening to Middle-Aged Metalheads. So turn it up, dude. You know, I, I was checking out your website, which I love the title of, uh, Matt Harvey Must Be Destroyed. <laughs> which is I freaking love it um, but uh, you are you the hardest working guy in death metal right now uh, I mean you know I don't know um, I'm you know I'm trying to work I'm trying to take advantage of the ability to that I have to do stuff and not take it for granted you know yeah um, and I have no children um, I do have two dogs that might start barking during the course of this interview. <laughs> um, but I have no kids and, you know, I feel like um, for a long time, you know, I've struggled doing this and, you know, now I'm at a point where, not like I'm, you know, making zillions of dollars or whatever, but I'm at a point where I have the time and I have the ability and I have the opportunity. So I kind of feel like it would be you know, it would be kind of, uh, I don't know, not being true to myself to not do as much as I could, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was checking out your, your bio, and uh, I love the fact that you credited hearing Master of Puppets with inspiring you to go out and get a guitar. What else is part of that origin story? What, uh, you know, <laughs> is it is it that Bay influence beyond Metallica, or did it bleed down into where you were? Or, or what, what else is part of that? What, between getting that guitar and putting out that first record, what, what happened? A lot. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I got I got that that cassette tape and the old. This is great. I love the fact that I won't have to explain what this is to <laughs> guys. Nope. But you know, you get twelve tapes for a penny, and you join the, right. the Columbia House. Columbia House. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and so I got Master Puppets, and and I was hooked, and you know, then I just started. You know, you just start exploring from there, and um, you know, pretty soon I, I was always a comic book guy, still am a comic book guy, um, and I thought before that I was going to be a comic book artist when I grew up, or whatever, and then I was like, well, I think I want to be in a band now, and um, you know, all I, the weird thing was I wasn't so much focused on like being a musician as I was just knowing as much as I could about metal, you know. Um, in my little group of friends, I always sort of was the most knowledgeable. I'd read the most magazines and then fanzines and then so on and so forth, you know. And I think about it and, uh, you know, while I was experiencing it, it seemed like forever. Like the journey from like 1987 when I heard Metallica to like 1991 when, you know, he was like practicing my dad's garage. But really it's like four years from age like what 11 to 15 um which seems like really fucking fast honestly but you right. know I went from, you know first metallica and then megadeth slayer exodus anthrax testament and then you know to creator and sodom and Celtic frost and cryptic slaughter dri um and bathory uh venom onslaught uh then <clears throat> you know, the next sort of revelation was when I heard the, the Peel sessions by Napalm Death. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just like when I heard Metallica, I was like, I had no idea if the music could be like this. When I heard Napalm Death, I was like, I have no idea if music could be like this. Um, <laughs> at first, I didn't think it was good. I was like, this is like, you'd have to be a real dick to like 
make this music intentionally. Like, what what a bunch of assholes. But I was like fascinated <laughs> by it. And the more I listened to it, the more I sort of started, you know, perceiving some sort of uh, order within the sort of, you know, chaos. And um, that was that was it. Then it was just like Napalm, Extreme Noise Terror, uh, Carcass, Entombed, Carnage, Terrorizer. You know, yeah. um, I still liked like, you know, Obituary and Death and some of the American bands, Autopsy, um, the Bay Area guys. Um, but, you know, from that moment on, it was like, okay, this is a whole other leaf that I've now turned over, you know? And then, um, you know, I was just practicing, 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 sitting in my room, like, learning these riffs. And, you know, I was like too nervous to ask a girl out on a date anyway. So it was a good excuse. Like, oh, I got to learn the riff from Spiritual Healing. It just came out. <laughs> I'm going to impress my friends when we like dick around on guitar at my dad's house. So, yeah, it, 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 it chicks sort of like, totally dig that stuff right oh yeah <laughs> like what is this this doesn't sound like white snake yeah. i had i had this great line i used to say like they'd be like you do you have a girlfriend i'd be like no man i don't have a girl who can understand how much i need to practice and my dedication <laughs> to my art well and matt uh, if you don't mind me asking so listening to your history and the bands that influenced you was there one event that convinced you this is going to be your life that you are going to be a heavy metal performer. And this is your road. Um, you know, I don't know because I feel like really there was the nineties. I don't really look back on them as like the glory days and the good old days, even though like certainly physically uh, they were, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of self doubt and a lot of frustration and, um, you know, especially after I graduated high school, like the scene changed like really quickly. Um, not just overall, like the move from death metal to black metal, but where I lived in the Bay Area, there was like three clubs that did underground metal and they were all owned by the same person. And that person went out of business and all the clubs closed. It was like, I graduated, I, I graduated high school. We played with Suffocation, Dismember, and Vader as the local opener. And then within like, and all we'd ever done was pay to play at these clubs. And then all of a sudden they were all closed. And like within a few months of that, like people started like leaving the band and quitting and stuff. And, you know, really by the time we, um, you know, we did a split CD in 95. And, uh, but, you know, by the time like 97 rolled around, I was really thinking about just quitting. Um, I was like, you know, this is getting silly. I started this band when I was 15. I'm fucking 22 or almost 22. And the style of music that we play is not, you know, even in the underground metal scene is not popular. There's no scene for it where we lived. Um, and, you know, I kind of just told myself that if I didn't get, you know, like a real record deal by the time I was 25, that I was just gonna quit and go back to college and figure something else out. And then, you know, uh, we signed a deal in 98 with Relapse, which either, you know, saved or ruined my life, I guess, depending on how you look at it. That's when you thought you were out and going to be an adult. Right. Well, I didn't really want to, but I just was like, this is getting silly, you know? Um, And, you know, my parents, they're lovely people and they, they love me very much, but they're not, they're very much of their time. They're not the kind of parents who like, 
well, I don't understand it, but it makes you happy, and I'm all for it, and I'll drive you to the music store. They were like, you do whatever. I mean, I'm not going to stop you, but I'm not encouraging this. I think it's a bad idea. I think the music is awful. And you're, like, you're a nice person who's smart. You could be doing something else. So, Yeah. So, like, you, you talk about the scene sort of, like, collapsing there, Matt, and in, in, certainly in the, in the Bay Area. Yeah, I I remember when when we were when we were coming up, you know, my the other member of our middle aged middleheads podcast, John Harden, isn't with us, but like there were there were like so many great clubs that had like these great bands that we, we kind of were like in just fucking intrigued by. Like, I remember like the Stone was like right. a place that we'd walk by, um, but you, you know, there were there was sort of like there was like you had to be 21 to get in, and we were just like small fries in high school, and it's like, right. all right, well, I guess that's that's that <laughs> about that. Um, do, do you think that had like kind of like an inhibiting you know effect on the scene too, where it's like it kind of makes it seem kind of prohibitive or like under the underground just seems sort of like okay, well, I guess I'm gonna have to make my own scene in a way. Um, I think. <sighs> The thing, the thing about being from the Bay Area is that, you know, obviously, I got into metal in 1987. Metallica was already, you know, moving from theaters to, like, small outdoor arenas, you know? Yeah. Um, Exodus was, you know, selling truckloads of records. Testament was selling truckloads of records. To me, you know, compared to Def Leppard and Whitesnake or whatever, it seemed underground and new. But... You know, I really lacked a lot of perspective because I remember, you know, you'd see you go to like an Exodus show on like a Tuesday and there's like 1,800 people there. Mm. And so when you go see Death and Devastation on a Thursday and there's only like 350 people there, you think, wow, this is really underground. Like, whoa, nobody knows about this. Um, <laughs> I think with the Bay specifically, once, you know, grunge sort of came over, came, came along and knocked out thrash as, as well as hair metal you know it was one of those things where it's like well we used to be the best and if we're not the best then everything else seems humiliating so we're just gonna like take our ball and go home because you know most of those bands kind of you know almost every Bay Area thrash band have like a new metal project or you know like a post machine head thing Right, yeah. And, you know, the scene seems so established that, yeah, death metal seems like something that we could kind of make our own because, you know, Exodus was like way up there. <laughs> um, for, for sure. And I think that that's like a moment in the in the documentary where, and we, and we talked to the guys who uh, who published the book Murder in the Front Row. And okay. It was like, like how, how sort of like, you know, instrumental the scene was based on the owners of the club supporting yes. these bands. And if the club is just saying, like, I don't know if we just need, like, 400, 500 sweaty white dudes in here, we we would like to turn this into a dance club. That that, that has a lot of effect, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the clubs I was talking about earlier with the Stone in San Francisco, One Step Beyond in Santa Clara, and the Omni in Oakland. Oh, oh the, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah, and so name checking places I've been. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where every show was. You know, like <clears throat> Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, Immolation, Master, Autopsy, Sadist, Death. Uh, you know, whatever. Everybody in the days when I was going to shows a lot. You know, everybody went through those clubs, and there was no 
it, it would, and it was doing great, you know, it, but there was no sort of plan B. Um, I remember like when Campbell toured for the Bleeding, they played this shitty place called the Berkeley Square. And they had to play two nights because it was only like a 275 cap room probably, you know? Um, and it was just like, this is silly, you know? Like everything was so, and it, it just, and it, you know, to my teenage brain, to a 17 year old, it seemed like it just kind of vanished overnight. And then at the same time, you know, Dark Throne and Mayhem and Burzum and Immortal and Impaled Nazarene were kind of making waves and that seemed fresh and new because death metal, I mean, I, I think musically death metal was getting a bit stale by the time I graduated high school also. So um, it's just, it was a bunch of different things, you know? Um, so yeah, like I said, I don't look back on the nineties. as like the good old days at, at all. <laughs> I was not, for most of that decade, I did, I had a pretty, I did not have fun as a musician trying to do my thing. I had fun as a person, but not as a musician trying to like be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got to ask, look, looking over everything you've got going on, how many projects do you have like spinning in the air right now? Just, just musically. Cause I know you got other things going on. Um, well, so we just finished, or, or the new Exhumed album, we didn't just finish, we finished like it over a fucking year ago. Uh, so the new Exhumed album just came out. We're getting ready for a tour. Um, I, we just finished the the third Pounder record like a month and a half ago. We were just talking about I, Pounder yeah, I, I got I got to tell you, Matt, so these guys mentioned Pounder and they, they sent me the link to Bandcamp. I heard one song and bought your whole discography. Oh shit! I, 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 I was just like, "Wow, there's one song." I'm buying it all. It is I'm just just the first song is amazing. I cannot wait Thanks, to hear the rest of that Pounder catalog. Cool. I mean, I'm not the greatest singer, but I'm I'm giving it my all. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, um, you got Pounder going on. You got Exhumed. Uh, you know, we keep threatening to write a new gruesome album, and we've written like four songs that have been sort of languishing for. I a think year. we'd all yeah. appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because Dan, our, our guitar player, he is was really keen to sort of spearhead this one because Human is his favorite death record, and that's kind of where we where we are in these sort of tribute trek. And you know, I I was like, all right, I'll sit back and, and let you do it. But then he's been super busy. Uh, you know, since the Possessed album has come out, he works really slowly. Uh, also, um, which is not a diss; it's just a you know. Everybody's different, and the possessed record was great, and that's what it took. You know, working slowly is what it took to make it great, then it's worth it. Um, but then now he's been playing with uh, Max and Igor doing the Beneath the Remains and Rise stuff. Um, so it's just like every time we think, oh, we're gonna have some time to work on something, some other shit sort of yeah. rears its head. Um, and then, excuse me, I did a, an EP last year with, uh, with will and damien from death angel which was an ep of a band called scarecrow that we did about like 10 years ago 12 years ago now and we finally sort of properly recorded some of the songs and we we have some songs for a full length but we don't have a whole full length yet we got like sort of two songs left or right but i'm going to see will in san francisco this weekend at this like bay area international gig or whatever Interthrational? Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome <laughs> It's like, um, it's a bunch of guys from like Forbidden and Death Angel and like some former like Testament guys and stuff. And I'm going to play a couple songs, but it's just like a sort of rotating like jam band where you take 
you know, and like Harold from Murder in the Front Row and DRI, he's going to be there. Caden uh, from Hyrax is going to be there. And it's just sort of like you mix and match, and you, you know everybody gets like three or four songs assigned to them, and, or at least wow. I know four songs assigned to me. So I don't know. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So, so how do you how do you keep this all straight? Like you mentioned, like like Gruesome's kind of going through this this particular phase. Um, you've got Left to Die, which I'm, I'm guessing is is back burner for a little while until somebody comes up with another idea to do something. <laughs> How do you keep it all straight? Do you, do you do you wake up one day and say I'm going to write some exhumed songs, or does it just come to you and you categorize these things? What's that? What's that workflow look like? I mean, it's a mix of both. You know, um, generally, sort of when one project gets momentum from one thing or another, I tend to write more for that. Um, other times, I'll sit down and you know work on something specifically. Um, and then other times I'll just dick around on guitar and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> write that down. Um, so it just, it, you know, it could be a variety of ways, you know. And with Left to Die, you know, uh, we're just, <clears throat> the real challenge there, because we're, we're trying to do some more shows, we didn't come out west. And we're, we're talking, we have some things in the works for Mexico and possibly Europe, but it's like between my schedule and then Terry's schedule with obituary and in human condition and everything else. It's really difficult to be like, hey, look, we're both off for a month at the same time. <laughs> Whoa, crazy. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, Did you ever, you ever like bring a song to a band and they're like, nah, man, that's that's a pounder song. That's not a, an exhumed song. Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's pretty specific. I mean, like I said, I, I thought I was to be a, a comic book artist because I was a comic book guy. And what comics taught me. And I, I love that like comic movies are really popular now, so this analogy makes sense to people that aren't fucking nerds. Um, but comics taught me about compartmentalization. Mm. It's like, you know, hey man, I really like the Teen Titans, and I really like the X-Men, but the Teen Titans can't fight the X-Men because they're DC and the X-Men is with Marvel. And so there's this universe over here and then this universe over here. And a big part of collecting comics is like sorting your stuff. Which yeah. sounds really lame, but I mean, we do it with records too. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I gotta put all my stuff in the right place, and it's like a fun thing, you know? Well, so, you can't have your stuff all mixed matched. That's just not no, right. dude. When I go to someone's house and their record collection's not alphabetized, oh. fucking, like, it gives me, <laughs> I'm not an anxious person, but it gives me anxiety. They're, they're like serial killers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the like, worst. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Matt, is there a project that you have deep, deep back there in your in your mind that has not been visited by you yet that you think might come out sometime? <laughs> um, the main thing that I think I'm really interested in now um, is in the last few years, I've just really gotten into like just writing music by myself and like working with like virtual instruments to do like stuff that's more like soundtracky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that. I just find it interesting because you get to sort of play with a lot of musical ideas that would never work in metal. Um, you know, metal, it's kind of counterintuitive, but because of the high volume and the distortion and everything, you actually, it's very limiting in terms of what sounds good. Like, you know, whereas in other kinds of music, when you have a bunch of different instruments with te- textures, you can combine all these notes that sound really interesting. But in metal, it's just like, well, that's out of tune because everything's like in the fucking red. So I think that's really 
the thing that I would like to, you know, that I haven't touched on yet that I would like to do. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> aside from that, I mean, I feel not like I've done everything ever or whatever, but I feel like pretty satisfied, you know, uh, as far as having outlets. You know? Yeah. Can we talk just for a minute about that, that going back to left to die? It just seemed, you know, after the, the death by murder, uh, uh, what, what, what was the what was the documentary called? I think I think oh, death, by metal. Metal. I death by metal. Uh, death death by metal. Yeah. After that, it it seemed, you know, Chuck and and the bands were were on everybody's mind for a while, and then Left to Die comes out, and I don't know what the timeline was like on that, but what was what was the inspiration for that? I mean, I was overwhelmed by the response of the crowd that we had in Philly. I mean, that place that was, was packed and that place was nuts. I mean, I'm 50 years old. I'm like, man, if I don't stage dive at this show, I may as well have not even come. Um, <laughs> You're never going to have another chance, David. <laughs> never going to have another chance. But on Got top two of that, hits, I man. just... Break one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... The thing is, though, it's... I just felt like there was no... Uh, you know, you see all these bands coming out and doing tributes or just bringing back old records... And we say it all the time. It's like, that's ah, a money grab. It's a money grab. I didn't get a bit of that. Um, um, it really felt respectful and powerful. So, so and it's like tag on to like David's uh, question there. It's like, so like, at what point do you like you guys kind of like get in your head like the idea like, let's do this. Let's bring together some of the. You know some of the, the the founding members, members of of death, and like, let's just let's just put on some shows. Well, you know, I kind of came at the whole thing sort of sideways. You know, like um, the very first death of all tour um, that we're gonna have Stefan from Obscura play the shows, but the guys that organized that first tour were idiots, and um, it was, everything was just totally mismanaged. So of course his his visa didn't go through. So they called me like you know, I think I want to say like six days before the first show, maybe maybe seven. And they asked me if I'd be interested, and you know I had to. They're like, well, you'd be playing the later stuff, which I honestly wasn't super familiar with um, compared to the early stuff, which is like you know ingrained in my fucking brain. Like I'll you know I'll never forget that shit. Um, and I thought, well, you know, if not me, then who? So I'll just do it and let's see what happens. It'll be fun. And after that, you know, I didn't continue working with with Death to All because of the mismanagement, but mostly because of the my schedule with Exhumed because they changed management and then that was all straightened out. But the next offer they gave me, I was like, well, I'm not going to put like my my band, you know, I'm not going to tell these guys that I'm not doing this tour so that I can go. That didn't seem fair. And, um, you know, then Gruesome started as, like, a joke, really, you know. Um, I met Gus while Exhumed was playing with that to all. And he was teching for Sean, and we just sort of, like, laughingly said, like, there should be a band that just plays the first three albums. And, like, you know, what's up? How come they don't call Terry? They don't call Rick. They don't call James. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I just jokingly said, well, we'll just write our own death songs. Like, that'd be funny. And then I was sitting at my then girlfriend, now wife's house, and I was bored. She was at work. 
and she was living in England still at the time, so I was really bored. And um, there was a shitty guitar in her house. I picked it up, wrote a song, sent it to Gus, and then we started doing gruesome. And um, then, you know, last year, uh, some people that are just, you know, death fans, they're like 70,000 tons of metal people, they wanted to do a show with James and Terry playing Spiritual Healing. And both James and Terry asked for Gus and myself, which meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I, I've known James forever. I've known Terry for quite a while. And, you know, both lovely guys. And um, I was like, well, fuck, you know, that's great. And so we did the show and it went okay. Um, I think that, you know, James hadn't been on stage in like 17 years or something. And I think that he was, wow. you know, when he was playing, when he when he felt comfortable, he played great. But I think he was just a little disoriented by being back on stage. Um, so, but again, it was it was a cool show. People really liked it. It just you know, I didn't think like wow we we killed him. I thought like all right that was cool, and you know I didn't really think much of it. And then Rick, of course, was aware of the show, so Rick hit up Terry and he said, "You think those guys would want to do the same thing with leprosy?" And so then, you know, really it was Rick that got the ball rolling on the whole thing. Um, and, you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to getting my ego strokes, but it's like, all right, you know, my heroes want me to like front my, one of my favorite bands, you know? Um, and obviously I'm filling in for somebody that's irreplaceable, but the fact that I can help Terry and Rick get out and play these songs again, and you know, I mean, I made a couple bucks, and you know, people liked it, and it was a it was a good time. So it just was a win, 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 you know. Um, but for me, I mean, I personally was having a blast. You know, it's like I felt like I was you know 13, 14 years old in my fucking bedroom, like playing these riffs like for the first time. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I was, was I, I'm sorry. No, no, that I, yeah. I was hearing death for the first time, Matt. Um, not that I haven't heard it, you know, on the records, but live. I, I, I'm very late to the death metal scene as oh, okay. I, I went through my, my upbringing was more hair metal and and doing a lot of, of those kind of things in the '80s and '90s. So um, I went to the show with David, and uh, they were it was it was a great show. I really had a good time. Uh, he said crowds seemed to react really well to to the death music, and and I I saw a lot of people really appreciate what it is that you. Have done. It seems like the music of death has not softened, or it didn't get you know, it didn't didn't get any sweeter, if you will, with age. Um, the, the crowd responses for all the shows have been strong. Yeah, uh, you know, all all of the shows were good. Um, you know, and we played some kind of out of the way places. Like we played like Des Moines, Iowa. And I forget if it was Omaha, Nebraska, maybe, or Lincoln, one of those places. That's a place, yeah. <laughs> Corn, you know, one of those. Um, and even those shows were, were cool, man. Um, but, you know, Philly, I think, was one of the one of the most memorable. Uh, the Chicago show was probably one of the best shows I've ever played in my life. Like, just the whole vibe. And when we got done, Terry was the first person. He's like, that's one of the best shows I've ever played. And I was like... Obituary just fucking toured with Slayer, Terry. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, 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 can, can you account for that? Is it, is it because definitely the scene is? Uh, I'm not going to say it's like it's the, a renaissance of sorts, but like, is it a nostalgia effect? Are you seeing like mixed generations of fans there? Like, you know, 
dads bringing their sons and perhaps <laughs> daughters and stuff is, is 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 it like that sort of thing like you, you go to like a lot of these metal shows and you'll see like multi-generational metal fans and stuff is or is it just the music or just you know the the, the novelty of it what would help us figure this out i mean i think it's i think it's all the above you know um you know i think that so the main thing I was really worried about with this is that, you know, I wanted people to be able to hear the band before the tour, which was not really possible because I'm the only one. I'm in California and everyone else is in Florida. But I just wanted them to know that you're, they're going to hear the songs performed the right way. You know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to get into naming names or whatever, but there's a lot of bands that I grew up with as a kid and I'll like see him at a festival and I'm like fools guys you know, playing <laughs> you lost like, a step or two <laughs> yeah they're playing at like 60% speed they're you know or just the, the, the voice is gone or they just you know uh, so I just really wanted people to know that we would we would be playing the songs as accurately to the record as we possibly could um, and I think that you know people responded to that and, and I think that even with Death to All, you know, obviously Gene, Steve, Max, Bobby, they're amazing musicians. And, you know, they're playing the stuff from Symbolic and, and stuff that we probably, I probably could never pull off, like that stuff. So I think, you know, we were, we, were, we knew we were going to be very differentiated from them because they're all friends of ours and we don't want to step on their toes. But there is, um, there is a huge sort of nostalgia cycle not just in metal, but in pop culture, you know? Um, I mean, I always think of it like TV, right? In the 80s, you had the Wonder Years. In the 90s, you had what, that, that 70s show. In the 70s, it, you had Happy Days. Yeah, fucking Happy Days and American Graffiti and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so it's... So we're always, you know, self-mythologizing, and, and that's part of, of pop culture. I mean, like, you know, you look at Stranger Things or whatever, and it's like, that's not really what the 80s were like but it's kind of like what the 80s were like but oh but, like, they, but they had a rubik's cube in there so there's that yeah but like yeah it's it's it, but it, it, it's it's that sort of the mystique of a particular period and, and maybe that that that's part of it too do, but you 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 do you feel that like like obviously when when you were there at uh, the show there in, in chicago and Terry just had like that just sort of overwhelming feeling like god damn that was the thing is that the thing though it's like we, we, we asked this question too have we been obviously been, as, as middle aged metalheads we asked this question like is there a future for metal is there a future for extreme metal are there like new fans that are coming into the scene always an underground scene right. um but sort of like also aware of like, you know, death goes back to 83. That's, that's 40 fucking years. <laughs> that's wild. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, I do think that there's a future for metal. And I, I do think that I do see a lot of younger kids, you know, um, at, at Exhum shows that when we did Left to Die. Um, and I, you know, I think that, the internet, you know, we as much as people bitch about it, um, I think is really responsible for giving things an even longer lifespan, you know, because nothing is out of print. You know, remember when you go to the record store 
and he'd be like, "Oh shit, I need that like one their second album. Oh, it's out of print." So I was like, "What do you do?" Yeah. Well, that's it. I guess I go to a used store and see if I can stumble on it. Now that doesn't exist, you know. Uh, <laughs> my wife is twenty nine, and I was explaining to her like the what how I bought the Napalm Death from Enslavement to Obliteration cassette. And she was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, wow, what is the record store by my house? They didn't have it. So then I had to walk back to my house. Then I get on my bike. Well, then I had to call the other record store. And they said that they think they had it, but they didn't see it on a shelf, but it was showing in stock. So I rode my bike six miles. They didn't have it. And she was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, this, is, this is life right? Life, you, you couldn't just... You couldn't just stream it onto your right. you know, mobile phone. Yeah, she was she was just laughing. She's like, "This sounds insane." It's like she's yeah. like, "This is what people are nostalgic for," and I was like, "I don't know, man." Yeah, um, my my mother in law is is a retired math teacher, and she said, D- "Do you want this?" And it was one of those like single speaker cassette players that you would see in schools, and I was like. Yeah, because yeah. like all the cap stands on my Walkman, like the the rubber deteriorated, so it won't right. play. So I'm like, yeah, and I'm listening to like older recordings from from radio stations that don't exist anymore, playing metal songs awesome. at like midnight. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, yeah, of course I do. My kids are like, "What in the world are you doing?" Why my head that? pressed up against a, a little tiny speaker. But 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 again, I I and on I, the I internet think, somewhere. I, I I think that 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 says a lot too. Like well, you you're, you're talking about like how you you got into bands, you got into music, you know, through the sort of uh, you know the, the activity of it. And you know nowadays kids, yeah, they have like access to the entire you know history of Everything. the world. <laughs> um, but they're not going to go on their bike and ride six miles to go. Find, God damn it, some <laughs> napalm death. Like, no, I've, I'd listen to it, listen to a song, moving on to Taylor Swift. I mean, I think, that, you know, the access, uh, I mean, I don't know, the, the way that, that I've felt, you know, and, and I still feel to some degree, but like, when I was a kid, I heard it and it just was like, switched, flipped. It was like, this is the emotion that I've been trying to express but I didn't have the, you know, means or, you know, healthy relationships or whatever in order to, like, get this out. And I think if that resonates with you, then even if it's as easy as typing, you're still going to seek it out. You might not, you know, I think the one thing that I do regret, that I do miss, is that when you're a kid and you bought a tape, you know, I, I I got $10 a week, that was enough to buy one cassette tape and a Slurpee. <laughs> and yep. if I didn't like that tape, I was fucked until next week. So I spent a lot of time <laughs> with each tape, and most of them I could find something to like about. Um, whereas now, if something doesn't grab a listener immediately, fuck it, throw it away. I do it all the time. I hear it, I'm like, man, eh, all right, on to something else. Unless it's Pounder, and then you just download the entire discography. <laughs> That's right, you do. That's exactly how you do it. Just what like is that. that. You, you should have seen. By listen, you should have seen his tail wagon when that song started. <laughs> I was actually just listening to it right now. You guys were talking. I'm like, while they're oh talking, I'm gonna go back and listen to this stuff. I was sorry, Matt. You guys are talking. I'm like, I'm gonna go listen to Pounder. Matt, I need I need a moment alone. 
it's so freaking good. So Matt, Matt, you're obviously like a great a great fan of like uh, of music and popular culture, and you you seem like a super smart dude and stuff. But like the the thing that you just sort of like brought up too, like (laughs) yeah, don't say but. (laughs) I didn't say you're really smart. Well, I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) <laughs> um, but in that way, that's like you just said. Like, do you ever find yourself like when you you had to commit to a record that you like? Ah, oh, shit! This was a <laughs> fucking dud. But you, you you found like some underdog qualities about them. You just dug it. Did you find like some bands that you might not have otherwise stuck with? That yeah, you stuck with because that was ten weeks. <laughs> that or that was that was the week's allowance. Right. I, I mean, I think of like records like uh, Uncertain Future by Forced Entry. Was definitely one of those. I was like, well, it's not that great. <laughs> By the end of the week, that's pretty good. Um, They're my new favorite band. <laughs> uh, Socialized Hate by Atrophy. That was another, like, sort of third tier type thrash band. But, you know, <laughs> Atrophy, there you go. You know, it's far from shitty, but it's not like, you know, it's not fucking Metallica. It's not, you know, it's not even like Onslaught or whatever. Um, so you just kind of, you know, you stick with it. Or things like, you know, I was a thrash kid and I got like a Fate's Warning tape and I heard it and I was like, this isn't what I usually like, but I spent right. $10 on it and then I was like, I actually like this a fucking lot. It's just not what I... Oh, which, which which record was it? It was No Exit was the first one and I liked it oh. enough to also buy Spectre Within. Okay, yeah. Those are two very kind of different records, but like... Yeah, but yeah. both great. You know, both really fucking good. And like that Arch Matthews record they did a few years back was fucking amazing too. Man. Yeah, they, 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 they obviously they, they veer off a little bit more to, to the prog oh, yeah. area, but uh, yeah, great great stuff from them. Um, yeah, I think I, the last time I saw them was like here here in Sellersville in Pennsylvania, and uh, you know, the lead singer is you know just still like belting the shit out. Great, wow. great show. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Colin was there. Yeah, we're, we're taking pictures. Seen, seen a lot of metal shows. I, I was at Napalm Death Play about three or four years ago here in Philly, and uh, it was like them and Sick of It All, and uh, a couple other bands. It was, and I was fortunately shoved right up against so my left ear was right in front of the PA speaker. Ooh, and, that's always uh, the best. <laughs> man, days later. Um, why am I yeah. still wobbly? Why am I still? I can't. I can't see. <laughs> Well, you had a good time. That's uh, how you- yeah, I did have a good time. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm curious about that that interplay among bands, right? It's, it's it's It reminds me of the old punk scene where you've got, like, the drummer for one band, the bass player for the next act, and that guy and the next guy are, like, the opening act for, like, the next show. <laughs> how are you picking these lineups? Is it whoever's available, or do you have, like, specific sounds in mind when you're putting these bands together? Uh, like like my own bands, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely starts with the idea of a of a specific sound. You know, the I kind of all I sort of at least conceptually, I start at the end and then work work my way back. Um, so I from like the very beginning, I have a fairly fixed idea about what it is I'm trying to achieve. Obviously, changes come along the way, and you know, it becomes collaborative and stuff, but. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I've sort of defaulted into the like band leader role um, ever since I was like 15 or whatever. So um, mm-hmm. I've just embraced it. So yeah, I just, I start like, you know, like with Pounder, I always, well, not always, but 
certainly for the last like 22 years, I've been listening to a lot of like, you know, Priest, Maiden, Angel Witch, you know, Diamond Head, Tank, whatever. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I've had riffs forever. But I just kept thinking like, I'll find a good singer. I'll find a good singer. And then finally I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it now when we met our guitar player, Tom, because he was free and he was a great guitar player. So I was like, well, unless, you know, if I don't do something with this dude, he's going to go somewhere else. And then I'll just sit around in five years being like, oh, I wrote this Pounder song. But, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> fuck it, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it always starts with, I like to center a band around something like the idea of like let's just jam and see what happens like doesn't that does not really appeal to me at all yeah yeah now now how does that apply to putting the shows together like when you guys were in philly um with left to die i just felt like those bands fell in so well and i think three three of you were from were kind of from two were from california and then this band outer heaven is from close to philly and that's a sharp learning curve that group man yeah. Um, Alan loved them right away, and I'm like, eh, I, I, I did. I need to go home and listen to them. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed. I really liked. I them. liked them. I liked them two weeks later, though. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought the record they did for Relapse was really good. Um, and it was kind of weird because it seemed like for a minute there they were getting quite hot and they were gonna like do a bunch of stuff, but then they didn't really get out and tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now a few years later and then the pandemic of course sure so now it seems like a few years later they're kind of still you know at the same level which is kind of a shame because i think they're a really good band mm-hmm. but um they just did that one show but they were you know as soon as i heard that they were interested in jumping on i was all about it yeah but as far as like picking the lineups and stuff you know a lot of it is just logistics a lot of it is sort of availability and stuff but um the guy that I work with, uh, our booking agent, Ron Martinez, he is the, the vocalist for Final Conflict. And now he's in he, he's in Angry Samoans and Lower Class Brats uh, as well. Okay. So, you know, he knows his way around music. And he, you know, he and I talk about what we're doing. We're not just like, you know, this is this and then blah, blah, blah. He'll be like, All right, these are the options. What do you think? Here's what I think and why. What do you think and why? And then, you know, generally we can come up with something that's pretty cool and interesting for people, you know, because, uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of shows and a lot of tours and, you know, you need the bill to be top to bottom, solid and interesting to sort of get people out. And, you know, I think talking to some of the guys in Left to Die, you know, we were like, oh, well, we need support. And they were sort of throwing out these, these bands. And I was like, guys, no offense, but like, these are all picks of people who haven't had their ear to the ground in like two decades I'm like just let Ron and I go through this and we'll come up with something and it's going to be good like trust me and we came up with something and it was good and and everybody was happy and you know but it was the first tour we'd done together so I really felt especially with Terry and Rick that I wanted to earn their trust and and be like hey you know this is going to be well organized we're going to do this we're all going to go home with some money in our pockets and People are going to be excited about the bill, and I think people really were. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and and, and, and do you you imagine there's going to be like, well, obviously you got your hands in like lots of different like uh, you know honey pots here. That there's (laughs) going to be like, well, obviously like you're going out on the road with Exhumed now. Is there going to be some more Left to Die stuff coming out, like more original stuff, or just more sort of like 
doing like the, the you know the, the the sort of circuit where you're just part of like a big uh, three day festival or I think that you know I'm gonna leave it up because at first we were talking about doing an EP and I thought it would be really important to have it out before the tour not necessarily to have like a record sure. but just to have something like a proof of concept basically more than anything and you know I sort of you know I, I was pitched the idea of the EP and I was like all right well let's do it but if we do it we got to do it now and then I think you know the other guys were like whoa 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 okay slow down now um and I was like all right well that's you know again I, I work at a very fast pace like I, I sure to, you know and I forget that a lot of people aren't like that and I think now that we've gone out and done the tour there is proof of concept and I'm gonna just sort of leave it in Terry and Rick's hands because I'm, you know, I've, I got plenty on my plate. And if Rick's like, hey, what okay. do you think about these riffs? Then I'll be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then okay. if not, then we'll just, you know, play some markets we haven't played and do some festivals and see what happens. Yeah, I guess I guess that's gotta be tricky where, you know, you, you're obviously like alpha male. You wanna be like the leader, the guy, the director, like, you know, got the, got the vision, got the, <laughs> you know, the ambition, the inspiration. And it's like, but, they're the deaf guys, so like, right. I will follow your lead, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, but I, I don't uh, know that I, that I want to be the leader. I just have found myself in that position through the years, and so it's sort of what I default to. Um, yeah, I mean, well, you, I, I enjoyed like I played in Repulsion for like four years, and you know, also a band that never fucking recorded any new material, but. I love the fact that basically all I had to do was show up and just play guitar. I was like, this is actually like really fucking fun, man. This is cool. I just, all I gotta do is play guitar. That's it. Yeah. But but then it, but but obviously you're you're saying that with like a little bit of regret, kind of like why didn't we actually like you know get the rubber <laughs> on the road and like do something with our stuff? I mean, you know, but that from the beginning, I guess there was already sort of a. a, a leadership dynamic in place before I got there so it was fun to sort of you know I think it bands a lot of times it's like it's like team sports or anything else you know if you got fucking a court full of point guards like what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah no nobody's gonna pass the ball right <laughs> yeah. that's, speaking, that's, that's, speaking of the rubber hitting the road Matt you have a tour coming up I was just looking you're in Philadelphia on November 26th that's pretty exciting that um, sounds right yeah and, but it's after Thanksgiving, you are correct. Yeah, yeah, two days. Um, tell us about the tour. Are you excited? Ready to get out I'm, there? And I'm really excited. We uh, this new Zoom record that just came out uh, last Friday. Um, you know, it's something we've been sitting on because of the pandemic. Like we finished it uh, last August, um, and, then, and we really took our time. Like we started it last April. I'm used to making a record in like two weeks. And this one, we just sort of were like, well, we, we have our own studio and nothing was really happening anyway. We knew the record wasn't going to come out for a long time. So we just sort of, you know, kind of dilly-dallied around, which is not <laughs> something I'm used to, but it, I think it paid off in this case. I don't know that I want to do it again. So yeah, I'm really excited just to get out and finally be able to play these fucking songs for people that we've been sitting on forever, you know? Nice. And just to get out and, and, and play and, you know, see everybody. You know, it's always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we're, we're, we're so grateful, Matt, that you're able to, like, spend some of your, like, very precious time with us here. 
and and hopefully your your salmon hasn't dried out too much. No, I, but, I was only yeah. cooking it at three fifty, so good. Oh uh, yeah, you should be great. Uh, you, you 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 should be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think. But uh, I no, love you guys, but I'm not sacrificing that piece of salmon. Right? No, no, we, <laughs> we, no, we, no absolutely no. We, we we would throw <laughs> each of ourselves, you know, in front of the bus, and just like the salmon comes first. Damn it! Right. Uh, but uh, you know, so. Give us a quick rundown. Like, where where can people find you on social media, and where can they find you just on the web? If you got you got some, some um, throwouts there for us, we actually my website that you referred to earlier is actually going to be folded into our our overall website, which is darkercorners.com. And we have a recording studio. We also screen paint shirts, and uh, we have a merch store there. Um, and we supposedly have a blog that I never update. Um, but it, it I, I think I, I, I saw part of that on uh, <laughs> Matt Harvey must be destroyed. It's like right. That's all. That's all migrated over to the new. Okay. Cool. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram at Matt Harvey must be destroyed. Um, I'm not on Twitter because it's not really an idea of a, of a good time. Um, there's also facebook.com forward slash Matt Harvey must be destroyed is where I'm at. Um, exhumed, gruesome, left to die, pounder, scarecrow, all have Instagram and Facebook that you can follow from links on the site if you really like wanted to get into all of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, and then more, most importantly, you can find me on tour. Um, Generally, uh, after the show, I'm at the bar. If you really want to find me, <laughs> that that <laughs> you, that sounds that really sounds like the place. Yeah, you really <laughs> must uh, if you want to ask me. You know about who would win in a fight between Thor and Wonder Woman. I'll give you my take on that there. Okay, so now well, everybody has a pickup yeah, line to like sense. you know to, right. to like chat up Matt Harvey. Right. <laughs> it's a good opener. Well, yeah, Matt. Well, thank you so much. We really do appreciate the time. Um, Pleasure, gentlemen. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing you in Philadelphia. I'm in the process of buying my tickets as soon as we wrap up here. Um, awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, and hopefully you'll be bringing plenty of good merch, too. Philly's a great merch town. We've got uh, truckloads of merch. I'm well, gonna... Philly's a great merch town. We just blew out the records on uh, Philly's merch. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. well, of course, yeah. Most no, but the oh, most right. most merch ever sold by a by a division. Oh, it oh, it was it was like ridiculous. Everybody was drunk. <laughs> like yeah. people were like people were like we're just like drunk driving inside of like Dick's <laughs> Sporting Goods to get like Philly's World Series hats. Like you could order them on Amazon, brah. But like hey, nope. Matt, before that's great, man. Well, hey, Real man, I good. can't wait. I can't wait to see you next month. Uh, I'll come talk to you at the bar, yeah, buy you a drink, fine, and, fine. and I'll. Uh, okay, not I'll, not I'll not. Donnie Brennan is tiny, so I can't really escape. So yeah, that's, come on. 